Welcome to the Numbers Game. I'm Jace and I'm here with Nick and Marty. How are we going today, fellas? Going well, thanks, Jace. Uh, yeah, just enjoyed my dog eating a big lamb shank on the weekend. And uh, there isn't anything more just exciting and exhilarating watch a dog devour a piece of meat it was uh extraordinary and then of course i copped the back end of that on the floor in the lounge room uh so dog life mate so going well um yeah these things happen feeling good nick how are you i'm going well mate i'm going well i'm just um just wondering which end the the aftermath was it because you did say that you caught you copped the back end on the floor <laughs> Yep. Which would make me think it came out of the rear end of the dog, but it, you didn't it did. elaborate. And I, it did, and I and I knew that um, there could be an episode, so I you know, walked it for about fifteen minutes, thinking that that might happen outside. But as dogs will do, they uh, yeah, just uh, very undisciplined. So <laughs> yeah. bit of a whack uh, on the nose. Yeah, it's so. good. No, I'm uh, I'm going well, mate. I'm just a um, couple of days in Melbourne, and then I've got some some travel coming up this week to um to brisbane and i just uh realized again how out of control airfares are the other day i was mm. considering i've got some work on the sunny coast so i was considering going to the sunshine coast and then driving down to brisbane how much do you think a one-way ticket to the sunshine coast was 600 at a guess correct with uh jetstar and, and granted it's uh school holidays so we're kind of in that period so they are inflated but yeah, well, anyway, definitely changed the decision. So I'm just going to go to Brisbane this time and maybe go to um, Sunshine Coast another time. But, geez, that's a lot for a domestic flight in the air for two hours. 600 bucks just to get there. Um, a anyway, a rort. How are you, Jace? Uh, really good, mate. Just, um, yeah. Oh, God, I didn't realise we are going to start with pet stories again. But um, I had uh, Case and I have got a game going on at the moment, which is probably a little bit of an overshare. But the cat had a a bit of poo that she dragged out into the, the, our bedroom. And it's obviously sat there for a little while under a blanket. We found it the other day and case told me to put it in the toilet. And I was like, no, you put it in the toilet. So now it's the game of where we hide the poo in a tissue, uh, for the other person to find. So, um, I'm currently winning case hasn't found it for a while. And it's, um, no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's been flushed, but that was a fun game going on at home with a piece of poo floating around. It's the kind of uh, awesome pet stories we've got going on here at the numbers game. But that aside, doing really well. It's, um, I don't know, this, this time of year in Melbourne, blue skies and sunshine, you know, life's good. I'm counting down the Fridays until Christmas. It's getting a bit really, really too close for comfort. And, um, mate, life is good. How good is the weather? Like On the media, they go, heat wave, disaster, Sydney, 31, terrible. Just look up Instagram. Everyone's on the beach surfing, having a great time. Just shut the media down. Goodness me. Yeah, I just I guess it depends on whether or not you want your kids to <laughs> be alive. I don't know. <laughs> Anyone who says global warming isn't happening is you know is getting themselves. Um, but it's it's good from a selfish point of view. It's great. Really enjoying it. Nick, before we uh, get fired in today, I'm just going to share our show sponsor and then we're going to throw to you, mate, for a bit of a, a rundown on, on some things going on in the world of travel and, you know, all the fun platforms out there. But today's show is brought to you by Innovate. 
the lovely team at Innovate handle all things financial planning, mortgage broking, asset finance, commercial lending. I think the list is going to go on and on. You guys are always expanding and doing fun and exciting things to look after your clients to the best of your abilities. Um, if you want to check out all the extra things Innovate do that I don't have time to list right now while you're listening, inovayt.com.au and uh, check out what the team have got going on. Nick, what is happening? Well, on my um, topic of travel, I came across uh, something on the weekend which was really interesting to me, not just because of um, the, the business side of things, but um, you know, I think it's um, just um, investment and money in general and what's happening in the world at the moment. And the particular story I read was about Uber, and everyone knows who Uber are, uh, but they have a, a new CEO, Dan, I'm going to butcher this, Dan Kozrauji or something like that. Um, Marty might know the, the, the pronunciation of that. He's very good with... Um, I can't get my own name right, mate. <laughs> uh, well, if you can come up with it by the end of this episode, that'll be a feather in your cap. I will. Um, new CEO, ex-CEO of Expedia. So anyone who doesn't know Expedia, um, that's where you would go and book travel um, and they would compare different airlines and, and whatnot. So Dan's plan is to have... Uber being a super travel app. And as we know at the moment, um, you can um, book an Uber just like you would a taxi. Um, we've recently had uh, Uber helicopter rides. And I know in Melbourne around Spring Carnival, you would have seen the Uber chopper rides um, going around. Um, these days, though, in the UK, you can now book flights uh, through the Uber app and they have plans on. Uh, letting you book trains, boats, and all types of transport through the Uber app. Um, so a couple of things to think about here. What I really love is the vertical integration and how they've 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 captured a market. And um, I think the number I read was four million Australians used Uber in the last twelve months. So they've captured a market. Um, where they saw a need, which was you know, the lack of taxi service in this country. I'm referring to this country, but I'm sure it's worldwide. They then created great tech to the point where I almost feel like Uber apps have become part of our day-to-day life. So for me, it's almost like my banking app. It's just somewhere I'd go every day or two. So we are so accustomed to the using the, the Uber app. They're now looking at ways, okay, well, how do we leverage off that? Okay, well, we can book tickets. and um, in the UK, if you book a, a a flight with Uber, you then get a 15% discount on an Uber ride to the airport. So really leveraging the fact that people are on their platform, why not give them other things to do um, or other services? And obviously the, the Uber app is absolutely brilliant and very easy to use. So I can only imagine for myself, um, I'll, I will be using it because I, I often will go to Webjet to compare um, airlines when I'm looking. Um, so, you know, Uber could be my new comparison app moving forward because I'm so used to using it. So what I also found really interesting is their, is their results. So for the first time um, in the last quarter, so the first time ever, Uber uh, announced a quarterly global profit of $394 million. So that compares to 12 months ago in the same quarter, a $2.6 billion loss. So what a turnaround. And it just got wow. me thinking, well, they lost, if they lost $2.6 what is their market cap? And I just jumped online last night and their market cap was like $90 billion or something. So then a few things started to add up. 
But <clears throat> what this story was going into, which um, which I found interesting, was this 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 movement away from growth at all costs from these um, tech businesses, and these tech businesses actually needing to show that they are uh, in um, profitable businesses um, that have a good cash position to get investors interested. So if we look back, you know, the last two or three years, there's been a lot of capital available for businesses that wanted to grow. Um, capital has been cheap because interest rates have been cheap. So it was very easy for investment groups and investors to deploy cash into these businesses for long-term growth. What you've got now is you've got a higher cost of capital, which means if you're either leveraging that capital and, le- and, lending, it to, um, and lending it out to invest, you need to see a return because you've got your own cost to, to, to get the capital. Or you've got another option. You can just park the capital in a safe investment, get a guaranteed return on it. So you might not be as willing um, to put it into an investment such as Uber, which is a long, long, long-term uh, growth plan. So it's getting harder for these businesses to get access to capital. So they're needing to become profitable quickly. And I thought this was a really good um, this is a really good example of a business that's gone ultra, ultra growth. Okay, we've built the platform. Okay, now how do we leverage this? And then how do we get money in the door? Because we need that now. It's no longer about just simply growth, growth, growth. And there's a lot of tech businesses that are going through that at the moment. So then it got me thinking, well, how does that, you know, how does, how can our own listeners and business owners think about this? So I know with our own business, we try and leverage off the database that we have by bringing in um, services that are complementary to each other. So finance, financial planning, asset and equipment finance, and small business lending. Uh, and there's another um, revenue stream we're looking at bringing in, but they all, they all, um, they all complement each other. So if you get a house, then of course you need insurance. If you get insurance and you need financial planning, if you're a self-employed person, uh, and you get a house and you need a home loan, there's every chance you're going to need a business loan. And Uber is very similar. It's all based around travel. You know, you book your flight, then you can book your travel to the airport and you get a discount for that. They know that they've got everyone's attention on the apps. So they're looking to leverage that to the absolute um, maximum that they can. So I thought it was a really good story. And then to top it off, the turnaround in profitability, like $394 million US dollars in a quarter. Like that's mind-boggling, and it is to us, but relative to the um, relative to the price um, or the um, the value of Uber, it's probably not that mind-boggling. But then it is when you compare it to last year's loss at two point six billion. So it just goes to show when these growth businesses do turn their focus to profitability, how quickly they can make it happen, just purely because of the following and the revenues that they do have. It's a lot easier for them to to cut expenses, but Thought I'd open it to you, lads. Um, thoughts on that, Marty? You can see your mind ticking. You can tell you love this story. Num- number one on turning the uh, the profitability around, but um, number two, the vertical integration of different service offerings to um, to make sure that they're you know helping people and getting every dollar they can um, out of their out of, out of their followers. Yeah, do love it. I I love the fact that. Um the simplicity of Uber, first of all, is I think fantastic. Uh, and like I said, I've used Uber Eats as well as the Uber, you know, Uber Travel. Um, and I would put on another app if it's that simple to use. You know, if it was Uber, you know, planes. I, I, 
And strangely enough, because of the, it's so simple to utilize the, the app itself, I don't mind having multiple apps for what I need, which is actually, I don't know whether they'll integrate it all into one app in the end, but I go, I actually quite like having Uber, but what I want to do on my screensaver. So I, I don't know why, that might be just a personal choice. You know how you go into some apps and they'll do everything, but you just get lost and confused? I really like the simplicity of the product. I really like the idea of, you know, if, if business owners are going to burn people's money, you know how they talk about burn rate? I've never liked that. <laughs> you know, you just don't want someone burning your money in order to get somewhere on numbers other than the financial ones. So I like the turnaround in thinking because if you can't make something profitable at that level, then really what's the point? How long do we have to wait? So I think that's a good turnaround. And particularly, we have a lot more smaller business owners listening in. You know, Don't be thinking that way in regards to, I'm not going to turn a profit until year four. You know, think about how you can turn a profit in, year, in month three. You know, you want to be nimble from the start and then reinvest those profits into other great ideas. Um, and the other thing that just I know from history is to focus in on delivering one great pro- product. And in previous episodes, we've talked about, you know, koala mattresses and all they sold were mattresses and they're renowned for mattresses. They got reviews on that, you know, they, and they dominated making millions off that. And then they leverage out into into other products. And generally from what I've seen, even on numbers in reading up on businesses, four vertical products is the key, but all, because then you're getting lifetime value off the clients in the, but the delivery on the first product is critical because that's where you're creating your, you know, your following, creating your numbers, creating happy clients. Then the leverage point to those additional three products is a lot easier as long as they're relevant uh, in the market. So I really love that as well. Too many people try to integrate and diversify too early and then get lost. They don't do one thing well and they get lost in trying to do too much okay and they never get a following. Whereas I feel like, you know, that's the, that's the key component is to deliver well on one product, then diversify out. I love that you brought that up and the, the word that comes to mind for me, Marty, is trust. And I think once you've developed that trust with your client, you've done a really good job on a particular service that you offer, then you can bring in other revenue streams or other service offerings. Because I just picture the client there going, oh, you guys can do that as well. You did such a good job on that. If you can take care of that, geez, that's easier because that means you've got all my information. Um, you know, look at our business in the mortgage in in the mortgage space, and we've done exactly that. We've been very good at doing mortgages. Then it's been financial planning. Then it's been equipment finance, and it almost becomes um, the client. Well, I guess for the client, it's a no brainer. Like, okay, well, I'll just get you to handle everything because that means I don't have to go here, here, and here. Yeah. So yeah, for me, for me, that word is trust, and you gain that trust through that initial product. Um, and then, I'll, yeah, I'll, I just love how you brought that up. It then just becomes really easy for the client to give you more of their, more of their wallet share, as you would say. Yeah, and, that, and you've hit the nail on the head. The transference of trust is not selling another product. It's, uh, it's, it's a value add based on the value add that's connecting on what you've established. So it's a really key feature, and that's and that's in all sales, and that's that's another thing to think about. You know, this 
again, I always think about what's the value that the clients experience on the other side. And a lot of times mm. that value is that trust. But a lot of people think, oh, yeah, I want to sell a product. They need the product. But they never ask the next vertical question of what's the value that that client's experiencing. And with Uber, you know, it was a better solution to what's mm. out there. Uh, you know, so Uber Eats, my goodness, they come to me. Um, <laughs> that's like like the like the vehicle. That that's strange, but now the food comes to me. So there's there's so many great things in Uber, and I'm actually looking forward to going. Well, what does the plane flights look like? What's the point of difference out there in the market to what is currently there? Um, so all of a sudden, I have this inquisitive curiosity as to how they're going to execute on that and make my life better. They started in a sense of how they became successful was creating a better user experience than its competitors. So when it started, its competitors were taxis and the user experience of booking a cab, hailing a cab, calling. I remember when we were, you know, booking a cab when we were growing up and I remember being on hold to one, three cabs and listening to that bloody one, three cabs, one, three cabs, and the music would roll on and on. You'd be on hold for hours. You didn't know if anyone was coming or not. Um, and now like, you know, Nick's saying, you know, the app, how good the app is. So, you know, I've just actually opened it up because usually you're in autopilot, you click, it remembers where I'm going or, you know, tells me suggested offers me discounts and I don't even know I don't even think about it anymore but having opened it up now looking at it it's like it is so user friendly like I can have a package delivered I can go pick a package up I can ride share I can reserve it I can travel group ride two wheels get anything delivered and it's got all the options in one place to get it delivered like it is super simple but all it is is created a great customer experience so i think you know as nick was saying you know the the lesson or the the thought process for our listeners out there is how can i apply that mentality to my business and what i do and you know, for starters, creating a great customer experience and this is done through technology. So, you know, if, if you've got a business that doesn't leverage technology, let's say you're still rocking up and, you know, you're fixing someone's, um, you know, kitchen, you're, you're a kitchen repairman of some sort, and then you're writing a physical receipt and getting them to transfer to BSB an account number, maybe that's not as good, good an experience as a digital invoice on an iPad and they can tap their credit card on your square reader if that's the kind of thing that you're going. But thinking about technology and great customer experiences, that's, what, that's how Uber really took off and did really well. And then they've been able to leverage from there by building in, you know, other verticals. And yeah, I'm the same as you, Marty. I'm excited. You know, I was booking something on the Qantas app the other day. Then it went from the app and opened up some browser. Then it told me I couldn't log in. I had to call some number. And I'm like, what? Like this never happens on, you know, on Uber's never made me call someone before. I had a, something was delivered wrong um, from some food on the weekend. I just got a refund straight away. Like no questions asked. Bang. How easy and how good is that? So Definitely some lessons to learn. And also the turnaround on the last a quarter, one year ago, a quarter losing in the billions to then be profiting in the hundreds of millions. Like that's some serious focus and attention to detail within the four walls of a company and, and how they're running it. Um, and, you know, they, they, I think for a long time, people wanted to cut Uber down and, you know, all the competition came out and you had Lyft and DD and all these other ones. And for a long time, people were going, ah, Uber, Uber can't survive. Uber's not going to be around. And to Uber's credit, they've just, you know, and I looked at their share price from nine months ago um, and a year ago, it was, it was 20 US dollars a share. And now I think it's up around 50 US dollars a share again. So it's, it's going from strength to strength and um, yeah, well done. That's incredible. Yeah, and look, it's it's only going to get stronger with 
profitability, right? And I think it's really important for businesses to think about this. And this is a focus that we've really only had for the last 18 months that you need to, obviously you need to do business plans and cash flow projections and set goals, but your goals need to have a growth target in there, but they also need to have a profitability target because without profit, you're not an Uber, you can't go to the market to get more money. Without profit, things can quickly unwind and you could have no business. So that profitability then gives you confidence to grow. To Marty's point before, you get the profitability and you bank the money and then use that money to 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 grow and, in, and invest in your business. But I think a lot of businesses just think about growth, growth, growth. But if you're just thinking about growth, again, you're not an Uber. You might only have two years, three years before either you don't want to do it anymore because you haven't made any money or there's things that are that, that, that are happening beyond your control and you don't have profitability so you don't have cash in the bank to sit back and, and you know, ride out bad times. But if you're focusing on both growth and, pros- and, and profitability, it puts you in a really strong position with your bank. So when opportunities come, you can borrow to take, um, to take growth plans. You, it puts money in your own pocket so then you can invest that money personally. But yeah, I don't know. I'd probably pass this to you, Jason. Do you see a lot of businesses that only focus on growth and don't think about, well, what's actually left? Because at the end of the day, that's what you're really there for. You're there to make money. So you can grow the business as much as you like, but unless there's a big exit coming one day, it's pointless. So you've got to make sure that you're not just trying to be profitable, but what are those margins you're trying to hit? And then how do they align with your growth plans and find the balance between growth and profitability? which is what a lot of these bigger businesses are having to do now because the, you know, the gravy train of capital investment just isn't there anymore. We definitely see it. It's an ongoing conversation that we're always having with business owners is to what is that end game? You know, and you don't need to sell your business tomorrow and you don't need to, you don't even need to sell it in five or 10 years, but knowing an end game of a profitability number, when you can wind down and either start to retire or have somebody take over the business and, and run it for you. Um, and for a long time, I think a lot of people were, especially when they start a business, they do focus on revenue over profit because they think one will lead to the other, which often sometimes it can. Um, so when you start, you, what you want to do is get revenue in the door because you want to have a business that that can start to bring in the cash. So cool, you focus on revenue. Um, but I think it's often too long people focus on revenue for too long before they shift their attention to profit. Um, and look, I think even in some way, shape or form, we were guilty of that um, in our accounting firm. Um, for, for the first couple of years, accounting firms or to a certain size, accounting firms are valued on revenue. So all of a sudden we were tying this fake idea of what our firm was worth because of a revenue growth number. Um, and then all of a sudden maturity hits and you go, hang on a minute, we're, we're running a business and we've, we need to be profitable to lead by example and show other businesses around us how to do it, talk to our employees about what it meant to be successful in business. Um, and then also in the industry, if we're going around you know, wanting to promote the accounting industry and promote businesses overall, we need to live and breathe and practice what we preach. So um, yeah. it, which has been a good conversation to now have with our clients too, is to go, you know, you know, what is the ideal profit you want to make? And as you touched on, Nick, knowing the margins, like gross profit, and net profit for a particular industry, you know, if you're, you know, operating an industry that usually drops 20% to the bottom line and you're making 3%, well, you know that there's room that you can move between your 3% margin and achieving 20% at some point in the future if you turn some dials and improve your business operations. You can still go for growth. It's you know, it's just what's the balance of profitability and growth. And I think um, 
I think what happens too is it becomes this hamster wheel because with most industries, the bigger that you get, the the bigger the expense base is that you build. So if you're not focusing on profit from day one, it doesn't mean you can turn it around in four or five years because what happens is growth becomes this um, this drug. So you keep chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. But every time you're growing, you're, you're putting in more fixed costs, you're putting in more variable costs, you're taking on more space, whatever it might be. So I would argue that the bigger you get, the harder it becomes to, come, to become profitable because of all those expenses. But if you've got a good method around it and you're doing it from day one, it just becomes second nature. You don't make decisions unless you're hitting those profit margins. And every decision you make is in line with hitting those margins or that balance of margin and growth. So I think it's, you know, to your point, highly important to be focusing day one because it doesn't, it's not necessarily something you can turn around in four years time like Uber's managed to do. But for a lot of businesses, you can't do that because of the fixed, the fixed cost space that you build in during growth. Yeah, I think that was the thing I worked out in business banking and I was fortunate before I went into business to see it that the good, the really good business owners knew their profit margins and what they wanted and they had ratios accordingly and they made decisions off that, off revenue. And the other thing you always have to remember, particularly as a small business owner, it's a very small percentage of businesses that actually get sold. Like I think it's under 5%. It might only be 2 or 3%. It's not a huge amount of businesses that get to that position to get acquired. So you need to be running a business that you obviously want to be running and that is lucrative and profitable um, to the people in it and yourself. And it's, um, yeah, and and sometimes people think, I'll get the win later, the win will come later, but a lot can change in business. So you want to ensure you're enjoying uh, the financial benefits of the business and understanding that you have control of that, I think is, critical in the decision making as to how you go about uh, putting the plan of attack into play. So really key. I couldn't agree more, Marty. And I think that definitely becomes the mindset of beginning with the end in mind. So even if you're not planning on selling anytime soon, if you build a business and design it as if you're going to sell it one day, it actually puts those principles in place of having systems and process, a leadership team, um, you know, an ability for the business to run without you. So there's no key person dependence. And whether you then end up selling the business or not, at least it's structured and set up in the right way from day one, um, which, you know, I'd love to see more business owners get successful exits. Um, it's definitely, as you said, there's a very small number of business owners that do get to sell and and have that successful finish to their business. But that tech space is extremely interesting. Like sometimes you see higher profit margins at 40 and 50% because it's software related, but there's a lot of there's a lot of smaller business owners, when I say small business owners, small teams that are creating extraordinary revenues and profits just based on having all the logistics set up, all automated, you know, they've they've dominated the social space, doing extremely well. And I go, I don't even know what they, they, those type of businesses are going to sell for, but someone could basically walk in, and I've seen probably about five or six in the last couple of weeks, um, someone could walk in and just take over. And it's not that difficult uh, because the hard work's been done and you just go, it's quite phenomenal than when you've got a more labour-intensive type business as well. So there's certainly the changing guard in the types of businesses that you're seeing online now that uh, 
probably just didn't exist, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Spot on. Well, Nick, thank you for sharing. I'm looking forward to uh, booking my future travel plans on my Uber app. And uh, for listeners out there, think about those customer experiences and how technology can help influence and shape your business and uh, a few of those different angles you can take it um, to, to help yourselves grow, but focusing on that beautiful profit down the bottom as well. Thank you, Nico. And until next time. Have we got an app? Have we got an app, guys, before we go? That was, listeners could just press on it and I we thought, turn up? I thought you were building it, mate. Did we yeah, give that okay. job to you? All right, I better get on to it. Game <laughs> over.